Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 225. My name is Adam Patterson. Joining me today, we got Kevin Rakestraw. How you doing, Kevin? I'm doing okay. Cool. It's good to hear. I'm glad to hear it. I'm happy How you for doing? you. I'm doing all right. Good. No, no complaints. A little hectic. A little hectic right now in my life, but uh, it's, it's sorting itself out. It's a good kind of hectic. Oh, that's good. Yeah. yeah. Good. Yep. This week on the show, we'll be reviewing Andre Zulowski's final film, Cosmos, along with the coming-of-age comedy, Morris from America. We'll also be talking about some other stuff we've been watching on the watch list, movie predictions, new on video on demand, Blu-ray releases, the huge. So much to talk about. There is a lot, and I have a huge watch list this week. Holy yeah. shit. So strap in, folks. Strap in. Uh, I was thinking it's gonna be we could the last just... side because I don't, I don't have much. That's okay. We can we can discuss the stuff I watch. That's okay. Uh, let's talk about some cosmos first. What do you think? Let's do it. This is the first tab I had open. There's no reasoning behind me choosing cosmos. All right. I'm just going with it. Uh, so this is directed by Andre Zlowski. I have a synopsis here. Whittle just failed his law school examinations and Fuchs has just quit his job at a Parisian fashion company. Arriving for a few days away at a so-called family guest house, they are greeted by a series of unsettling omens. A sparrow hanging in the forest, then a piece of wood in the same condition and finally signs on the ceiling and in the garden. In this guest house, there is also a baleful mouth? A baleful mouth, that of the maid, and a perfect mouth, that of a young woman of the house with whom we're told falls madly in love. (laughs) We'll stop it there because the, the synopsis here is almost as baffling as the film itself. I guess maybe I'll start it off. It's interesting, with Cosmos... At first, I was like, oh, I, I'm into this. This is right up my alley. It's, it's, it, it, at the onset, it seemed like it was just the right amount of crazy. But then as it progressed, I realized that I have no idea what any of these people are saying. And I really have no idea what's transpiring here. And I can't grasp any of what's going on. Like, this, this almost this whole movie was pretty much over my head. Like, I just... It was just beyond me. Like, all I could get from it was that it was about the creative process and this guy trying to write a story and how everyone around him was going insane while he was trying to write this story about what was happening around him. And he yeah. was allowing the, the sparrow and these supposed omens that he was finding to drive himself mad. Pretty much. Yeah, it just seemed like he was just desperately trying to find meaning in like every little thing that was happening. And it was like the way that, well, first of all, the thing that really grabbed me immediately was the speed of this movie. Now, I don't know if it's something that you noticed, Kevin, but everything was done so fast. Like everybody moved at, at, at like an elevated pace. 
Like it was almost as if the whole movie was on like 1.5 speed or something. Yeah. Did you notice that? I mean, it was just me. I, I didn't notice it the entire time, but there were certain sections of the film where it did. It did. Uh, it really felt that way. It was just everybody was moving so fast. They were talking fast, like. The, and, espe- and especially when the, the there are certain sequences where he, where you know the cameras moving at a quick pace too and it's zooming in and it's zooming mm-hmm. out and it's coming around the corner and it's you know following all these people it did it felt really sped up yeah and just the especially because there were a lot of kind of communal scenes like dinner scenes and things like that and those scenes are just chaos i mean just yes it's just it's just craziness <laughs> and it's really difficult and I, I like I know what you're talking about because it was difficult for me in some of those scenes to kind of pay attention to what people were saying because there's just so much going on, just visually. Yeah, there's so much movement. Everyone's moving. Everyone's talking, and everyone's doing it at such a an exaggerated level too. Yeah. Yep. Yes. This is uh, this is not. Uh, we're not talking neo realism with this movie. <laughs> no. It is. It's very, very theatrical. Everyone's over the top, and it, which is, you know, in Zalowski movies, there's usually like one, maybe two people that kind of have this the characters that have this mania to them. Mm-hmm. And it seems like with this movie, he's like, I'm just gonna everyone, uh, everyone, every- <laughs> everyone in this movie is completely batshit. It's just everybody, and it's and just- right, like right when you think that somebody is normal, like for for a while there, I thought. Uh, I think it was Leon. I thought he was normal. I was like, okay, he's he's like kind of the grounded guy who yeah. He he speaks very philosophically, but he seems just kind of chill, down to earth, but then nah, no. I think it was like after the the scene with the peas <laughs> where <laughs> that's when I realized yeah. that the peas and then him just carrying around that stick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because he did. You're right. He does lose it, and then he starts adding like the um to like every word. Yeah, yeah. Which that that like that threw me too, because it's just it's like I already had a difficult enough time following you guys, and now you're just making up words. It was almost as if I was watching a a Shakespearean language film, where it's for some reason uh, the words that they speak go in one ear and out the other and i can't retain any of the dialogue yes that, and it doesn't matter how, and it doesn't matter how hard you try because yeah. there was even at a point where i had to like pause it i'm like i gotta <laughs> i just gotta gather myself gotta process this like like i'm gonna actually have to do some like work to comprehend what's going on here and i'm like i got myself amped up i'm like all right i'm ready to go I'm ready to do this turn it back on and i was lost in like five seconds like, yeah God damn it it's it's interesting though because it's one of those things, and I think maybe it was this was it was intentionally made that way, where it's like nuggets of of philosophy, sort of. It's like nuggets of how these people view the world, and it doesn't necessarily, at least to me, it didn't really form any kind of cohesive idea. But it was just kind of fragments. It was just like yeah. fragments of of life and which I think that kind of plays into what what's going on here where they're trying to you know parse meaning from like you know 
the way the axe handles pointed. Yeah, or, and the, you know, the, the rake the, is placed. Where, and... Yeah, where the rake is, and like you know, they're trying like everything. Everything has meaning, you know. And it's essentially like what people, you know, it's them doing it in life. What a lot of people do with films, where they're like every single thing has a meaning. Yeah, where they try there's, to break it down, and there's hidden meaning everywhere. No, there's little nuggets here and there, and that's it. Everything else is just nonsense. That's how life is. It's just random shit. Well, I, I got to say that I really enjoyed the random shit in this one. <laughs> I did too. I, like, I was complete. Even though I have no idea really what was going on uh, half the time, I enjoyed myself immensely. Yes. I was just along for the ride. Um, I, don't know, I don't know what it is with Zulowski movies, but they seem to be the only one. Or I shouldn't say the only one, but the main one where I'm completely bought into the just the mania. Mm-hmm. They're just over the top, just ridiculous. Just everyone's at 11, 24 7. Yeah. But Jonathan Gannett, who, play, who plays Vittold, I mean, he's just, he's lost his mind. <laughs> yeah. But it's so funny because it's not a slow thing. It's not like he progressively loses it. Like the very first scene, it's like, this dude's, this dude's mad. Like this guy is insane. And yeah, and and it just it it looks like he has he has to have like the worst headache. <laughs> it's just at, there's the strain on his face. Yeah, throughout this entire movie, just his eyes look. It looks like he hasn't slept in days. Mm-hmm. I don't. Mm-hmm. I know. I just. I don't think he slept, and he's just straining so much in everything that he does. Lots I just. Of, I, uh... Lots of facial contortions going on in this in this movie. It's, yeah, it's just like, and he is he like almost all the all the words coming out of his mouth have to pass through this strainer of grit teeth. Like he forces them out of his face. <laughs> it looks uh, like it's, it looks like his his face is literally giving birth to words. It, just, I mean, it looks really painful. That being said, bravo to everyone in this cast because holy crap, like they all killed it. In oh my opinion. god, they're all fantastic, man. They all did such an amazing job, like just playing into the the whole ridiculous over the top nature of these characters where it was just insanity from beginning to end. Yeah. And there was just there was no reprieve. It was such an exhausting film. It was it's just true. it truly truly was. <laughs> Is it's so unbelievably exhausting? I don't know how they did it because I all I had to do was sit there and just take it in yeah. through my eyes and ears, and it exhausted the hell out of me to the point where I was essentially just I didn't know what was going on after like three minutes. My brain was like, I'm done, tapped out, yeah. <laughs> yeah. tapped out, I can't do it. <laughs> it's so funny because like you, you you're with it at first you're you're with it you're following it you know you're they're establishing the characters and in your mind you're like okay you're you're building your knowledge of yeah each of these characters their personalities the relationships that they have with one another and you think you have it and you think you're following what's going on like you're you're you know establishing the backstories and all of that and then it just slowly crumbles and before you even realize it you're like okay well that, there goes that now i'm just in it for i'm just i'm just along for the ride at this point yeah. <laughs> let's just let's just go with it let's see where Which, this where this takes me 
and uh, it definitely helps with the the visuals. And oh the yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean that's that's a huge, huge, uh, a huge boon for this movie is like the all of the camera work fit fit the film fit the the the, the theme not the theme the this the style the frantic pace of this movie uh it just fit it perfectly in the and, locations too oh yeah i mean oh, for the right. most part it takes place in in one location although they do go away for a, like a what is it like a night one night maybe to this to this other area and it's just absolutely gorgeous all the places they go Especially, yeah, like the first time they go to the beach. Mm-hmm. Just the entire look of the beach is just incredible. And then you're right, they take that trip to that, like, I guess their new home or whatever. And there's a, that particular sequence when they're out at night. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's just a gorgeous movie. Uh, and I liked I liked that what they did with uh, there was a lot of kind of just strange cutaways and things that Zilowski did. Uh, one of the things that I liked the most, and I don't know why this maybe this just sticks out, is every morning they would get breakfast in bed and they would always cut to the food and there'd be like bugs and stuff. Like there was ants on it the one day and then a giant slug on it the other day, and it was just normal. It was just normal. He just picks up the slug, just picks it up. Just puts it in that little ramekin. <laughs> I think it was like had the butter in it or something. Yeah. Just put the slug with the butter. Oh, and, my. And, and I also love how the the friend, every single day... <laughs> Somebody comes back. He's <laughs> got like a black guy. Every single day, <laughs> he was beat up. <laughs> it seemed like it was even... It was like every day was progressively worse. But it, it, yeah, it's progressively worse every day. And you, they never really explain like what happened. Like, no. And like no one seems overly concerned about him. And he's still just chipper. Still chipper mm-hmm. as can be. Yeah. yeah the, I think it was like, maybe it was the final day. I don't know if it was the final day where he had just all over his mouth. Like his whole mouth was just covered in blood. <laughs> all along his chin. And you're just like, okay. Yeah, somebody's having fun. Having a rough go. I do like that the plot keywords for this movie it says cat, sparrow, surrealism, peas, eating. Yeah, well, the peas scene was a pretty <laughs> that was a pretty major scene. I'm just I'm just happy that IMDb recognized that. <laughs> when they were done watching it, they're like peas. We gotta add peas. Peas gotta at least be one of the first five that you see on the front page. Gotta have peas in there. The fact because that was like Leon's blowout moment <laughs> it was just it was so uncalled for everything's gone oh god he just starts making up words from that point out and he has his his whatever that stick is can't i can't remember what they're called it's called was it called a is it called a dousing rod yeah where it, it's supposed to locate water right yeah yeah <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what else to say about this movie. It's it's very, it's really out there. Definitely not for everyone. No, but I mean, it's one he, like you. To me, you have to see it. I think if you're if, if you're, you're, a, so you if you're a movie buff, yeah. If you're a movie buff, I I think you should. Judging from the show, so I saw the trailer for this before watching the actual movie, and it from the trailer, it seems like 
it, it's got the same kind of vibe as, you know, one like, um, like a Lanthimos, like a, like a really kind of absurdist, one of those absurdist Greek films. Yeah. And it's, it sort of does. I mean, there, there are certain elements of that. It does but, have a, it does have a, a, a French feel to it though. Yes. Wow. Yes. Where it's certainly. kind of this like lighthearted. And there's a, there's like a lot of references to artists and authors and things. The, the copious uh, Spielberg references, I thought that, that kind of caught me off guard. Then, like the first time, and then they kept coming back to it. I was like, okay, yeah, they do discuss a lot of uh, a lot of cinema in there, mm-hmm. which threw me off at first. For whatever reason, I wasn't expecting that. Well, the other thing that I kind of liked and made me have even more questions was the end, the very end. Um, I don't know if you if you watched it through the credits, but the the movie continues as the credits are going, but they show like the making of like oh, behind yeah, the yeah. scenes stuff with of this movie, but then they kind of intersperse it with other scenes from the movie. Yeah, and I thought that that was kind of interesting to include that. Almost, just, it almost adds kind of a, a little bit of a, a meta element to it. Yeah. I mean, just about everything works. I mean, the performances are great. You can almost watch it just for the performances alone. And you can almost just watch it for the visuals alone, the cinematography. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's just just everything. Yeah, definitely. Definitely a lot of of layers to peel away with this one, too. So I I definitely recommend Cosmos. Kevin, what are you going to give this out of 10? Oh man, I don't I have no idea. are <laughs> 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 just like uh uh how do you rate something like this? I don't know because well, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm going to say I'm going to give it like a I'll say a 7 and a half. I'll give, I'll give it like an 8, 8 and a half. There you go. Uh Cosmos, I don't know if this is available just yet, it play. It's currently playing in select cities. I don't know what the availability is, so I would just keep an eye out on your VOD platform of choice. Keep an eye out for this one. Just wait patiently, because yeah. it, it, it'll be worth the wait. I would say if you can see it in a theater environment. Oh my god! Yeah, check check it out in the theater if you can. I would, I would imagine that in the theater environment, it would be even more overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. Just the speed. The speed of it. Uh, all right. Let's move on and talk about Morris from America. This is written and directed by Chad Hartigan. I have a synopsis here. The, rom- the romantic and coming-of-age misadventures of a 13-year-old American living in Germany. Uh, Kevin. Why don't you start this one off? What did you think of Morris from America? Eh. I mean, I, this is so much of this is just we've seen it before. Oh, yeah. And it's just and it's and not only that, not only do you, is it something that a lot of the stuff that you've seen before, and I mean, but it's just not interesting. Like there's like no life to it except for the only portions that work are the portions that it's Craig Robinson and Marquis Christmas when it's the father son moments. Oh my God, does it work? Yeah. It's fantastic. It's amazing. I would 
make that a TV show, I would watch it every night. Make it a movies. I watch every movie. Loved it. I loved those portions of the film. The unfortunate thing is, is there's not a lot of those moments. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I pretty much agree with you uh, for the most part on that. I thought that Craig Robinson was uh, amazing in this. I just, he's just such a likable guy. You just mm-hmm. like him. And it helped that it, he played a really likable character in this movie too. Like he played a good dad and he was funny and just a, a, a cool character. And I love the dynamic between him and his son, you know? Yeah. It was just the two of them. They were the only black people living in this small town in Germany. And they were probably the only Americans living in this small town in Germany. So you had a lot going against them. Now, one of the things that I thought was interesting is I thought that they were going to do more with, uh, they didn't do much with the fact that this is a black kid from America trying to fit in in Germany. Like they didn't actually do too much with that. I thought that there was going to be more discussion of race. You yeah. Know? They, I mean, they only kind of, they only touched like on culture it shock or something like that. Yeah. Really. The only thing they really deal with is kind of essentially how he doesn't meet the Germans expectations or the, you know, kind of like the stereotypes yeah. that they have. Like he doesn't play basketball. Right. Which that seemed to confuse them. <laughs> they were yes, they were very confused. They called him Kobe Bryant. And it's just you know, it's one of those things where it's like he's almost he's not black enough for them. They, yeah, they're almost disappointed that he's not. And and there's a couple there's a couple other small things like there's one scene where so he he ends up going to this uh, after school or like youth program. In the town, and the teacher ends up finding a joint behind the yeah. school or something, and immediately goes to him. So yeah. you see, there there are little scenes like that in there, and I and I liked I liked that. I mean, I liked that it wasn't hammering you over the head with it. I'm not saying that it should have done that, but I thought I was just expecting more of uh, of that type of stuff happening. No, and it's just it's more just the old age old you know where he yeah for the most part it's just your typical coming of age he falls for this girl and this girl is um essentially one-dimensional she's kind of a stereotype it's not much it's not much development with her rebel she's you know she hates her parents so she's doing things to defy them yeah and she's just kind of awful and even him he's kind of one-dimensional in this in these portions of the film outside of that, like his interactions with his dad, he's like a completely different character, which makes sense. Exactly. Because it makes sense. He's more guarded. He's more introverted when he is in this social environment where he doesn't fit in and he doesn't really know any of these people. He doesn't speak the same language. He barely, or he barely speaks the same language. So yeah, it's understandable, but I completely agree with you that that his character is there's not much to him outside of no, and you're not he interacts with Craig Robinson and in all honesty too, you're not really like rooting for this relationship. 
like I'm not really rooting for the kid to get the girl. No, because maybe I thought I thought it was gonna find someone else. Yeah, I thought it was gonna go the route of you know he kind of falls for her, but she's clearly not the right person for him. But there's this other girl that likes him that he kind of ignores, and then at the end he. Yeah. See, sees the air of his ways and goes for this other girl. They didn't go there with it, which is fine. It's, you know, kind of going against a uh, trope of these movies. But at the same time, it falls for pretty much every other coming of age yeah. trope, which, you know, I, I don't necessarily have a problem with. I've said it many times on the show. I like these types of movies. I liked to see uh, Carla Yuri in there from wetlands she plays a very different role than she played in wetlands but i thought she was really good i liked her character a lot even though she was a snitch mm-hmm. but uh, i like the music a lot it's a good soundtrack music was it was all right not bad and there were it had its moments it was it was a charming little film i thought I it, it was, and it it does have its like I said the the stuff with Craig Robinson and Marquis Christmas I think are fantastic um, the the ending scene the car drive you know where they're driving back from Frankfurt Craig Robinson's giving this little story like I thought that was fantastic that whole scene was great t- yeah you could tell that 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 little monologue was that was the the, the big yeah. crescendo that was, that was the best, yeah that was that was their centerpiece. And and I, I think that it, it worked completely. It didn't feel ham-fisted. It didn't feel overly sentimental. It felt right. Yeah. And I, I I thought that that scene was yeah fantastic. Just that a lot of the other stuff just really didn't work for me. And there was even that one point where they kind of I try and show that Craig Robinson's character is you know he he's going through the exact same thing that Morris is. You know you got to remember that. It, there's Morris as the only black kid, and then Craig Robinson is really the only black adult. So mm-hmm. he's going through the exact same thing. He's just going through it with adults instead of kids. And and it's like I, it's nice to see that parallel, but at the same time, you didn't really go into it that that deeply. So it just kind of feels unnecessary. It just felt re- like an odd, like oh, let's take this little detour for a little bit. And then we'll come back to Morris's character. Yeah, like they they've they've just barely skimmed the surface of like his job. Like he, I didn't even know what his job was until much later on in the movie. Like even even when he was out on the field with the with the soccer players, it's like what does he do? Like I don't know what I don't know what he does out there. He's just kind of walking around with a clipboard. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I was I was very confused about that, but I liked. I did like those scenes though. Like there was, there were, they were subtle. Like the one scene where he's just sitting at the table by himself, like you just feel so bad for him. And that's, you know, maybe a little emotionally manipulative, but I think it's designed to show that, you know, this, this is a lonely guy too. Like he's, well, he's even more so than Morris. Yeah. I mean, especially cause that particular scene happens after, Morris starts going to the the youth club or whatever and starts hanging out with the girl and going to parties and stuff. And he's just, you know, it's just kind of sad. You feel, you feel so bad for Craig Robinson. Mm-hmm. And the, the scene also the scene when he calls the, uh, this, the sex line. <laughs> Dude, he just, 
You just feel bad for the guy. Yeah. And I guess that's what that was like. My the biggest thing is like I just wanted more Craig Robinson. True. I wanted more Craig Robinson and and Marquise. Just them two. Just those two hanging out. Yeah, because it was a great dynamic. Fantastic. And the, and those were the funniest moments too. Yes. Like the, the comedy comes from that. That's in all honesty for me. That was the only time the movie had life. Yeah, because none of the other stuff is really that funny at all no it's not except for the one scene where he goes he goes what did he say and she and she goes he said i'm stupid and i play the flute (laughs) (laughs) yes and the guy freaking out when they put the put his flute in the tree yeah Yeah. (laughs) he freaks out like a little baby that was kind of funny yeah other than that yeah didn't really care much for it didn't i didn't really care much for the little road trip that he takes and that, like, the part of the, the the party where he sees his German teacher, yeah, eh, you know, just uh, that had nope. me feeling a little meh. Nope, didn't really work for me. Yeah. Overall, though, I found it to be pretty entertaining. And there's some interesting, some interesting camera work in there too. It, it was, it didn't feel like an American film. It felt, no, he, it yeah, felt like a European film to me. Yeah, he gets cute with the iris in and iris mm-hmm. out, which I'm, I've never been a fan of that. I know you, I know, but I like it. I did I like that. that. I liked the way he shot the car scene at the end. I did enjoy that. I liked the scene when he saw the when he was walking across the bridge at the beginning and saw the porno mag. <laughs> that was. <laughs> Just the look on his face, yeah. <laughs> the way he reacts, and then immediately cut to him at home with it. And like how he just sits down at the table, he's got a sandwich. He makes ready. the sandwich. <laughs> he's got everything ready to go. <laughs> he's making a fucking moment out of it. It's not just like, oh, let me check, let me flip through this thing. No, no, I gotta, I gotta get, I gotta making... get a meal together. <laughs> I gotta dig in. Yeah, I liked, uh-huh. I liked that. So. All right, Morris from America. This is available on VOD, so you can give this a rent. I'd recommend it. I'd give it a light recommend. Uh, Kevin, what are you going to give Morris from America out of 10? Mm, I, I, give it, uh, I give it six. Yep, I'm going 6.5 on this one. Ooh. Yeah, we have a review for this up on the site. Uh, Ken wrote a review for us. He gave it a 6.5 as well. Okay. Yeah. All on the line right there. Yeah. We it's, all feel the same way it's about it. It's, it's not... I, I thought that there were a lot of other... Uh, we've been seeing a ton of these types of coming-of-age stories over the last two years. Yeah. And I felt like the other ones have done done it better. Like, I thought Wetlands was more interesting in its execution. I thought Are that, you, yeah. that uh, Girlhood was better... I just think, I think Mustang. The main thing that Mars from America has going for it is its essentially its depiction. Craig Robinson's dad, you know, him as mm-hmm. a father, the way that that character is shaped. I think that's the main thing that works for this. Yep. And I kind of, I just, I, I just wanted more of that. That's the thing. Like, just it was good. I just want more of that. And and I feel like that they spent so much time with the the whole love story that 
Yeah. You knew really wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. You, right from the outset, you're like, no chemistry. There's no chemistry here. I don't, I'm not rooting for this relationship. I want this relationship to like catch fire and then crash into the ground and then we move on to something else. Because <laughs> yeah, she wasn't even likable. She wasn't even a likable person. She shot his wiener with water. Which it was such an odd thing. It was like such a weird build up. Yeah, it's like, who cares? That was like the lamest prank ever. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if I, if I was Marquise, I would probably freak out and be, that you know, that would stay in my head for like the next four weeks or whatever. <laughs> the next five years. <laughs> I would think about it constantly. It's just, it's just odd that that scene, because the, the poster, you know, the poster is right, holding up with, with the water gun. And I'm thinking, okay, so there's like something going on with the water gun here. And then when that scene pops up, you're like, that's the water gun thing? That, that's it? It was such yeah. an insignificant moment in, in, the, in the movie. Like, that's it? Okay. It's odd. Just, I just found it really odd. I don't know what that was all about. I, I don't think it was supposed to be a big moment. I think that it was just a marketing yeah, thing. It's just a weird marketing thing, though. Because they were like, oh, well, you know, he's... He's kind of uh, an aspiring rapper, and he's into the gangster rap, so he's going to have a gun. But he's young, so he's he's a, he's a little kid, so they're going to give him a water gun. I don't know. Yeah, it didn't work. It didn't really work. Yeah. All right, that's Morris from America. Let's move on and talk about some of what we've been watching on the watch list. I think it's my turn this week. Either way, I'm going to go. I saw 1990, The Bronx Warriors. This is from 1982. Uh, it's directed so, by... So it's in and, the future? Yeah. So it's it was made in 82, but it took place in 90. It was directed by Enzo Castel- Castellari. Uh, so it's an Italian film. It takes place in uh, the Bronx. And it's basically a warrior's ripoff. Yeah, well, I mean, I was kind of thinking, I guess, right there in the title. <laughs> it is... Uh, very much a Warriors ripoff. It's almost like a cross between the Warriors and Escape from New York, okay. where the Bronx is now kind of owned by the gangs. And there's each gang has their own specific theme. And they're the most ridiculous things you will ever see. There's like the dancing ones where they all kind of do this silly uh, in dancing. It's like choreographed dance fighting and stuff. Uh, the main gang, they're they're like a biker gang, and the the great thing is the one dude has on his bike. He has a button that he presses, and blades shoot out from the sides of his bike, and he runs people down with them. Yes, there's a scene in this towards the end where there's like the it's sort of like a, it's sort of like an evil conglomerate, an evil corporation called the Manhattan Corporation that is that starts they they have like a siege on on all the gangs and they go in they don't go in with guns they have guns but the main weapon that they go in with is flamethrowers everybody is on horseback and they have flamethrowers <laughs> and it's like it seems like a little overkill you could go in with guns but no, you got to burn them alive. Like, we're not just going to kill them. We want to burn these people alive. So they all have flamethrowers. 
Okay. And it's a giant flamethrower battle. It's just, uh, and, and you wonder where they're getting flamethrowers. Well, th- this is this is like a huge corporation, so they can afford they can they afford just, tons of flamethrowers. I guess that's true. The whole escape from New York thing also comes into play because the I guess heiress of this corporation she's going to take over when she turns nineteen for whatever reason and. They, I think they were going to kill her so that they could run it themselves. So she kind of runs away to the Bronx to seek refuge. So they're trying to get her. It seems like the last place that she, like, is the rest of the world destroyed? No, the rest of the world's normal. Yeah, you would think that you would go somewhere where there's not a shit ton of gangs. Yeah, well, she got lucky and ended up with uh she she almost got raped but then the the good the good gang the biker gang i think they're called like oh, i can't remember the name of them either way they're they're the good guys they they came and saved, saved her. her yeah some of the names in this they all had everybody had ridiculous names the main Dude, character's I, name was trash uh there's Hammer. There's Hammer. Hammer Shock. was he was kind of the bad guy. He was this like mercenary who was he wasn't he was hired by the Manhattan Corporation basically to go in to the Bronx and just kill everybody. I see here that Fred Williamson's in there is the ogre. Yeah, he's he's the leader of the biggest gang in the Bronx. So he's kind of the he's the king of the Bronx, he calls himself. Okay. And he's pretty awesome. You see, you see a little Fred Williamson karate in there. Oh, nice! It's pretty solid. Nice. And uh, Betty Desi plays witch, and she has this. She has a whip, so she uses a whip. Yes. But she also has these kind of claw fingers. Oh man, yeah. that sounds pretty awesome. I recommend this movie. It's sure it's a little cheesy, but it has an amazing opening title sequence. Uh, the music is pretty on point and it's, it's so over the top and just ridiculous. It's very violent too, but I had a blast with this one. So I definitely recommend 1990, the Bronx Warriors. It sounds so ridiculous. Yeah. Highly recommend. It sounds like the type of movie that you would be disappointed if it wasn't cheesy. Yeah. And the whole thing's dubbed too, which is even better. Like it's, one of these deals where it was it's an Italian movie, but I mean all the actors are American, but they just they dubbed it anyway because that's just how they how Italian filmmakers rolled back then. That's how you got to do it. Yeah, just makes more sense that way. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I didn't get to watch much because my dog doesn't like me watching movies, um, mm. but I did watch reminiscences of a journey to Lithuania. This is a. It's kind of like an experimental documentary from uh, Jonas Mikas from uh, 1972. So essentially what this is, is it's, it's, it's just a home movie. That's all it is. It's a home movie. 76 minutes of a home movie. Um, people seem to really enjoy this. Uh, I did not. It's, like I said, it's essentially a home movie. It's just him taking footage of, he takes a trip back to his home village. So you, you get all this footage. I mean, he's got tons and tons of footage. 
and it's cut together. It's him meeting with family members. It's him goofing off. It's him sitting down at dinner and, you know, singing songs, all this stuff just cut together. And then essentially him doing kind of like a voiceover narration of, you know, about his childhood and memories and this and that, which bits and pieces of it obviously are more interesting than others. But overall, as a whole, 76 minutes of this, it just, it, it's it's okay. Mm. You know, it's all right. I mean, it's interesting because, you know, it's Lithuania. It's his life. So it's definitely interesting here and there. But, you know, as a film, it's, it's just there's not a lot going on here. Mm. There's some good footage there here and there. But I mean, it's just—it's like home, a home movie footage. That's all it is. Yeah, yeah it's unfortunate. Yeah, you know, I just don't really—I was really let down. I, kind of judging from how everyone, because I mean, everyone seems to love it. So I thought, man, Italy—it should be pretty decent. But I just—I wasn't feeling it at all. Hmm. Uh, I saw one that I was not feeling. It's called Bad Biology. This is directed by Frank Henenlotter, who did yeah. the Basket Case movies. Yeah. And I was a fan of those. They were, they were just so ridiculous and schlocky that they were, they were fun. This one's not fun. This is written by R.A. the Rugged Man. What? <laughs> yeah. What? I thought you'd get a kick out of that. It's written and produced by R.A. the Rugged Man, and he's in it, too. Oh, my God. <laughs> You remember him? Hell yeah. Uh, it also features a bunch of underground hip-hop artists, including oh, uh, Remedy. Up. Remedy's in it. Yeah. Uh, Vinnie Paz is in it. <laughs> yes. Uh, there's, there's a couple Does other it, ones, I, too. Now, I gotta know, and hopefully you can help me out here, um, Vinnie Paz's voice. Yeah. Is it... Like, does he talk that is it, way? Is like, it like it's that? just like he talks? Yeah. He doesn't have many lines in this, but yeah, that's how he kind of talked. He's, just, he's so angry. He Maybe he was a little bit softer and less angry in this, but just, yeah, he, pretty, he pretty just, much his voice. He just yells everything. Yeah. J-Zone is in it? Yeah. Yep. It's I, like, I like how it just buried in the middle here. Eleanor Hendricks. Yeah. He's cracked for Yep. It's got a decent soundtrack, but that's really all I can say about it. It's uh, it's about a a woman who has seven clitorises. It's got Clitor- Prince Paul's in it. Prince Paul's in it, yeah. And he's he does uh, Prince Paul does the music, like he does the score. Oh shit. Mm-hmm. So it's about a woman who has seven clitori, and okay. she is she's like this kind of she has this insatiable hunger for for men. And she ends up killing all the men that she sleeps with because she just loses control. And then because of this kind of mutant vagina that she has, she ends up getting pregnant and giving birth two hours later every single time. And she ends up giving birth to this like mutant baby thing. Because of the, the, the setup. Yeah, I guess. It's, <laughs> it's, like, it's like a mutation. All right. She ends up meeting this guy who also has... He has a mutant penis. Uh And the mutant penis eventually rips off... Like, rips out of his body and does its own thing for a while. It's unbelievably terrible. It is so bad. (laughs) Wow. 
Uh, yeah, I don't even know what to say about this one. It's just awful. I'm not going to spend more time on it. I just wanted to mention it because of the hip-hop people that are in it. Vinny Pass. Yep. What's Vinny Pass do? He, uh... It says here that he plays himself, so what, did he just go to, like... He a, does, yeah. He Jedi Mindtrick show or something? No, no, they just... He's there... He, okay, so the, the main character is a photographer, <laughs> and she's doing a photo shoot with some of the some of the rappers and Vinny Paz is one of them. Gotcha. So he's only in really one scene. Okay. Vinny and R.A. the Rugged Man's in one scene too. But yeah, it's it's pretty bad. It <laughs> Soundtra- soundtrack's decent, but sounds awful. It just sounds downright awful. It is. It, it reminded me of a trauma movie actually. It sounds worse than a trauma movie. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Not so sure about that. <laughs> um, the only uh, the only other thing that I watched was the Future Perfect. I checked this out on Festival Scope. This is another one of the uh, Carno films that they have up there right now for free. Um, this uh, also very disappointing. It's about a. It's a young girl, Chinese girl, living in Argentina. And um, she's kind of being interviewed about her life and such. And she, you know, it's just kind of like a talking head type thing. Um, it doesn't really have the look or feel of like a documentary or anything. It just, it, you know, it feels like a straightforward narrative cinema. And uh, so they have that. And then cut in with that is her living her life, which she works at some supermarkets at deli and stuff um she meets this indian guy who also lives in argentina and they start essentially dating i guess but they you know their relationship doesn't it's not that interesting uh there's really no life to the relationship and then of course it's like it's like two dates in he's like we should get married it's all rather odd uh because she's also cut in with this is her taking classes to learn spanish because she doesn't know any Spanish, but yet she speaks Spanish the entire movie. So that's, I guess, interesting. I don't understand. But, yeah. It's just, there's all these things. And then towards the end, it's the interviewer is just kind of asking like, Hey, what do you, how do you think your parents would feel if they met VJ, you know, your, your Indian boyfriend. And she's like, Oh, well they want me to get married to a Chinese guy. So they would be really upset. So, and then she goes through like different versions of what could happen. Mm. Like it's, and then they play out. So it'll okay. be like one. So, it, you know, the future perfect. So she's talking about the future and then they kind of show, here's this timeline of what could happen. And they act it out. And then she's like, this could also happen. And they act it out. And you're just kind of, I mean, at least for me, there comes a point where I'm just like, I, I'm not interested there's nothing here. There's nothing. I'm not invested in any of this. You're just going to uh, going about like different things that could happen. And none of them are interesting. Mm. And it's just, there's not much going on visually. There's not much going on. Cause all the acting's kind of, it's, I mean, it, it's serviceable, but at the same time, there's it's just, the, it, everything's so limp. Mm. There's just, there's no, there's no life to it. There's no energy to it. There's nothing. Everything's just so damn limp. Well, that's unfortunate. Yeah. I mean, I only get... I have limited time. 
to watch movies, okay? And it's really irritating when they're a waste of time. Because <laughs> I just, like, as soon as I'm done, I'm like, God damn it. I had an hour and a half to watch a movie, and it wasn't good. Yeah, it's always unfortunate, but you never know. Maybe it would. Maybe it was going to be amazing. Who knows? Well, that's why I picked it. It's uh, you know, Letterboxd was four stars, four stars. And I was like, here we go. This is the one. This is it. And uh, it was. It wasn't. It, it was not the one. It was not the one. Hmm. Uh, I saw an interesting one called LFO. This I've is, been wanting to see this for a while. Uh, this is a Scandinavian film about a guy who discovers that there is a frequency that can be played that will allow you to control people's minds, basically influence their thoughts. And at first he he kind of experiments on himself. Like he, he, he tells himself, you hate cookies, you hate all sweets. So like the next day he makes his coffee and he goes to eat like a biscuit or something. And it's gross. It grosses him out. He can't stand it. So then he's like, you like sweets in moderation. And then he's able to eat cookies again. And then he, he realizes he has kind of a crush on his neighbor who just moved in. But unfortunately, she's married. So he kind of starts experimenting on them. Like he, they go away for a weekend and he sets up speakers and like um, listening devices in their house. And he's able to uh, kind of play the tone remotely and control them. And it gets a little out of, out of control, but then he kind of was like, I got to rein this back. But then he just goes full on and it's like, I'm going to change the world. And oh, it gets, it gets, it gets pretty crazy. Uh, it was, it was interesting. It's very, you know, most of it takes place just in this guy's house. And that's pretty much it. Uh, I think the whole thing actually, now I'm thinking back. So one location, not a lot of kind of crazy special effects or anything like that going on in this one. So it's very much kind of a, a lo-fi sci-fi movie. But I enjoyed it for the most part. There's one aspect of it which I wasn't a big fan of, and that's his wife and son were killed a few, a few years prior. And throughout the movie, they kind of visit him and talk to him just a lot, mostly the wife. So he continues to interact with his wife, even though she's dead. And for some reason, I don't like that in movies. Any movie that does that, I'm not a big fan of. I'm not a fan of it either. And also in, in, in this film that you're talking about, it sounds kind of unnecessary. It, it, it kind of speaks to his state of mind because it, you, you realize that he's sort of unhinged, like he is not mentally stable at all. Yeah. And you don't know that at the beginning. You, you come to find that out. But by the time you find it out, it's like the wife already visited him many, many times and had many conversations with him. And it's like, all right, we get it. He's crazy. <laughs> he should not have this power. <laughs> but overall, though, still pretty, pretty entertaining watch. And it's a really interesting premise in and of itself. Yeah. Just 
Like, what would you do if you had the ability to just, and you can, he can do whatever he wants. Like he sets it up in his house. So he just hits, he has a remote and he just hits a button and he just tells them whatever. Like he'll be like, clean my house. And they do it. <laughs> and it so it's, it is, it is an interesting little movie. Um, I saw, you, you didn't see anything else, right? No, I'm so done. I can, so I can try to breeze through these. I saw Cannibal the Musical. Never saw this movie. It's directed no, I'm, by. I'm, uh, I'm really surprised. By yeah, that. yeah. Never, I never got around to seeing this one. This is directed by Trey Parker. So this is like kind of the first thing that Trey Parker and Matt Stone did, and it was a trauma movie, and it was uh, you know, it was a musical comedy about uh, sort of, I guess, inspired by the Donner Party in a way uh, about this expedition to Colorado. And they just terrible things happen and they end up having to eat one another. Mm-hmm. It was, it was okay. You know, the, it was interesting because this was a, a nothing like no budget movie. This is a shoestring budget. And they, it's like they, they really stretched whatever kind of meager amounts of money they had for this thing. Like the, the music was actually pretty good and, and the quality of the music was pretty good. Like the musical numbers Mm-hmm. And there were there were some scenes that that really made me laugh, and it's like you could just see the talent there. Like you knew, like looking back, you're like, okay, well, clearly, clearly, this guy's going to go on to do some pretty interesting things. Yeah, I mean, I doubt anybody would have been able to predict something as huge as South Park, but still, uh, it was an enjoyable, enjoyable little movie. I saw Blood Feast from 1963. This is by Herschel Gordon Lewis. It's a classic, classic can you, horror. Can you can you say the title one more time? Real Blood quick? Feast. Fantastic title. <laughs> say it one more time for me. Blood Feast. Nice. So this is kind of the movie that started the trend of gore in movies. That before this, the movies weren't they weren't very gory. This this movie was so extreme for the time it was shot in color too so it's very very colorful and it's just the movie itself is terrible it is i mean this is like a z movie this is it's like ed wood levels almost it's just such a the only reason that it exists is for an excuse to show a lot of dismemberment and blood on screen. I mean, that's the only reason for this to exist. It's about a guy who owns a catering business. And for some reason, he's obsessed with this Egyptian ritual of cooking human body parts and then sacrificing a young woman. So he goes around and kills women and takes different body parts and then tries to cook, cook them up at a party at like a, uh, like a dinner party and serve them to people. <laughs> and it's, uh, it, it's a, it's bad, but you have to like, I appreciate it for kind of paving the way for violence in films. I mean, this, this movie was huge when it came out, like it was just sold out everywhere and everybody was going to see it because it was just nothing like it. There was the level of violence and gore in this. And it's, you know, by today's standards, it's nothing, but it was still pretty, I thought it was still pretty, pretty intense. Uh, so 
if you're if you're a horror fan, I would say it's a must watch. But if you're not really big on like the history of horror in movies, I would say yeah. it's probably not worth seeing. One that I will say is worth seeing for everyone is Assault on Precinct 13, the original one from oh, 1976. Damn, you, just, you switched into another movie. I did. Yeah, that was quick. You took a quick right turn. Well, when I have to do a whole bunch of them in succession, I feel bad oh, man, for, it's for like, making you sit here, so I try to hurry through like, them. It's like Cosmos all over again. <laughs> yeah. You're lost. Uh, so, Assault on Precinct 13. This is by John Carpenter. I, I, this is another. Yeah, I know. I know. This is another one where I've tried to see. I've tried to watch this movie so many times, and every time I ever had a copy of it, it's been the worst quality ever. And I've always turned it off because I'm like, this is garbage. This is garbage quality, and I don't want to see this. Well, now they they have since remastered it and it is available in hd uh i think scream factory put it out so there's a blu-ray version i saw it on uh, shutter the the streaming service but anyway at any rate it's a really good quality this movie is out of control it is so good i mean this is i love all john carpenter movies for the most part and this has to be one of his best it is just from start to finish, it is like almost perfect. It's just, uh, it's so fantastic. The, just the, from the scene where the guy, this guy kills, and it's a really famous scene. I've seen it a million times, but in the actual movie, it just had so much more impact. But a guy kills a little girl, and it, you're just like, they, re- they went there with it. Like, he didn't pull the camera away. He didn't do anything. Just shows a guy randomly shooting a girl in the chest after she gets uh, ice cream from an ice cream truck. Okay. And you're just like, holy shit, this movie is going to be intense. And basically the whole movie is just a sea. It's a siege movie. So it's just this gang of, I don't know. There's like 150 people in this gang. It's a huge gang and they're laying siege on this, police station that's about to be shut down and moved to another building. So there's only like two cops there and then a couple prisoners and then some, uh, some women that work there as well. And it's just nonstop. One of the things that I appreciated so much about this movie that I didn't, I didn't really know was that the, the lead, the main character uh, is a, is a black guy and the the female lead is probably the biggest badass in the whole movie. And, you know, by today's standards, that's not a huge deal. I mean, we have black action stars everywhere, but this is 1976. I mean, the only other movie that I can think of might be Night of the Living Dead, which this definitely had a Night of the Living Dead vibe to it. Yeah. Just with gang members instead of zombies. And I mean, for that alone, I was like, holy crap, like the girl in this, she is such a badass. Like this dude, this dude tries to run up and, and essentially kill her. And she waits till he gets really close and then slashes his throat. And it was just such a crazy bad. And she, she didn't, you know, fall down. She didn't get hysterical. She was just, she stayed cool and she was just a badass. Hmm. But I recommend this movie to anyone. I think it's just, it's so good. 
And Sean Carpenter is so awesome, and this movie is just fantastic. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, it's great. Highly recommended. Uh, I saw Body Melt from 1993. This is a, a very gory body horror movie uh, from Philip Brophy. It's an Australian film. Okay, all right. Uh, this is this is an. It's funny. This is an early 90s movie, and I didn't really. I couldn't really pinpoint the time, the time period of this. And then there's one scene where a kid does some sweet rollerblading on a vert ramp. And I was like, okay, this is the nice. 90s. This is definitely the 90s. Uh, this one's pretty good. I had, it's, it's a horror, it's kind of a horror comedy. All I know is I just read the synopsis for this. And then I checked out the poster that, that walks me through the three stages of body melt. <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, all I can say is I need to see body melt. It is ridiculous. the The aspect ratio is all t- it's terrible. But tr- street trash—that's what I was trying to think of. Street trash. It's like a '90s Australian version of street trash, where people just there is so much goo, colored goo that comes out of people. But I will say that the special effects work, like the the crazy creature effects, it, it almost has kind of a thing vibe where there's these like flailing tendrils that come out of people so it, it has this the, the the effects works actually pretty good it's such a well it's from the the special effects lab dead alive and matrix reloaded oh there you go i anytime a movie on the front of the cover or the poster or whatever when they're saying that it's from someone that's not the director or the producer you know that like they watched it and they're like, this is the only selling point. Yeah. Then we got to sell it on this. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Who puts from the special effects lab? <laughs> but the effects work is the highlight. I mean, the rest of the movie is pretty <laughs> shit. It's, it's pretty bad. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I mean, it is definitely one of those so bad it's good movies, but I would still, I'd still recommend checking it out. It's a little bit of a hidden gem. I'd say it's called body melt. Uh, I saw Magic from 1978. This is directed by Richard Attenborough. Ooh. Yeah. Mr. Jurassic Park himself, Richard Attenborough. (laughs) This is a weird one. This is stars Anthony Hopkins as a ventriloquist who is insane. And he ends up killing people with his ventriloquist dummy. And Anthony Hopkins' name in this is Corky. <laughs> that, that's a perfect name. His name's Corky, and his and his dummy's name is Fats. Yes. And Margaret's in this. Uh, it's such a weird movie. This is a strange one. I didn't. I didn't actually enjoy it. I thought I was gonna really enjoy it, but I actually didn't like it too much. It's almost. I don't know. It's sort of a psycho esque movie where. Instead of the mom, it's the dummy, and he's just he's just kind of unhinged and randomly loses it and kills people. It's not that interesting, actually. It's it sounds like it'd be interesting. It's, yeah, I'm kind of surprised that it's not. It plays out like kind of a boring episode of Tales from the Crypt. That's what it reminds me of. Oh, that's not good. Yeah. So, unfortunately, Magic is one that I I can't really recommend. I saw Imperium. This is the new one that came out with Daniel Radcliffe, where he plays an undercover cop going to infiltrate the skinheads. 
Ooh. This was okay. This was, it was not, it wasn't great. It wasn't, we're not talking like American History X here or anything, but it was, it was fine for kind of a procedural thriller. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe did a good job in it. Tony Collette's in it. She did, she did a pretty good job too, except there was this thing where she was chewing gum the whole time because she's trying to quit smoking. So she's chewing gum. And yeah. it was re- just really annoying. I don't know why. <laughs> Does she do it with her mouth open? That's yeah. the question. Yes. Yeah, fuck that. I ain't watching yeah. that movie. Fuck that. It was just, I don't know, it was annoying. It was based on a true story, so maybe that was... That was the one sort of... fucking thing that they they picked out, and they're like, we got to be authentic. She's got to yeah. with yeah, that, it's It seems like that's something Just fucking do. change it. There's no reason. We I don't want to hear people chew. Just, that's the last thing I want to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, either way, Imperium's on VOD now, and I'd give it a I'd give it a light recommend. I'd probably score it like a six out of ten or something like that. I gave it a three out of five on Letterboxd. Okay, entertaining yeah. but forgettable. Like it's one of these movies that ha- doesn't really have any kind of lasting power. I enjoyed it while I was watching it. One other thing that kind of bugged me about it was they intersperse like newsreel footage and stuff like that from uh, from like Hitler footage and then kind of like white supremacist marches throughout the years and stuff like that. And they just kind of flash it up on the screen, you know, and I, I could have done without that. It was, yeah, I, I don't like it when movies do that either. So that's Imperium and that's all I saw. Man. Yeah, I had a big week. I had, the, I had off uh, one day this week, and I made decision. <laughs> I made decision to just watch movies, so I watched six movies on Friday. Holy shit! Yeah, I busted, damn, busted it out. Oh, I saw Microwave Massacre too. How? I forgot to add that. How do you forget that? It was the last one I saw, and I didn't refresh my diary on Letterboxd. Oh, come on, man. you got to tell me about so, this. Yeah, so if you, you, got if you uh, listened to the show last week, uh, I mentioned that Microwave Massacre was coming out on Blu-ray from Arrow, and uh, I was able to give it a watch, and it's horrible. It is so bad. I, I could barely watch this one. I had to space it out over two days. Because it is so unenjoyable. It's just... So Jackie Vernon is stars in this. Now, I don't know if you know who Jackie Vernon is. He was a big stand-up... Maybe a relatively big stand-up comic. Oh, my God. Back I in the day. Everything about this. The poster to this mm-hmm. is... The poster and the synopsis. Even the director's name, Wayne Berwick. Mm-hmm. There's so many things to like here. It's... It's absolutely terrible. For some reason, I got this kind of eating Raul vibe to it, but uh, like a much shittier, horrible version of eating Raul. <laughs> eating Raul filtered through excessive incompetence. Yeah. Okay. Like it was. It was like the. It was like if the director of Porky's did eating Raul. I do like that. I just learned that Jackie Vernon is the voice of Frosty. The yeah, Snowman. so he yeah he did the, he did Frosty the Snowman in the in those classic '60s cartoons, but he was 
he was a big stand-up comic back then, and he um, his his whole shtick was he's sort of like Rodney Dangerfield, and unfortunately that translates into the movie. And basically, mm-hmm. every line out of his mouth is some sort of zinger, and it's just so bad, it is not funny at all. And basically, it's just about a guy who. His wife buys this super fancy microwave and decides that she's only going to cook gourmet foods. And he's just, he just wants a sandwich. Like, this guy just wants a pastrami on rye or whatever the hell. And one night, they get in a big argument, and he ends up killing her. And then he eats a piece of her by accident the next day. How you accidentally eat because he piece thought, of a dead person. So after he kills her, he chops her up and wraps her in aluminum foil and puts her in the freezer. Or in, maybe it's the fridge. And the next day he was hungry and he's like, well, I guess I'll try one of her. I don't have anything else to eat, so I'll try one of her meals that she prepared. So he thought that this was one of the meals that she prepared, but it turned out he was actually eating part of her arm. Because he was like, oh, this is pretty good. And then... But how... It, don't do don't even try. Come on. Don't Come even on. try. It's so then he starts. Mm. He like starts feeding uh, p- pieces of her to the the people that he works with, and they all love it. And then he starts getting these prostitutes back to his house, and then he he kills them and chops them up and starts See, now making this is meals the, out of them. This is the question that I immediately had because my favorite thing about the microwave massacre poster besides the, the kind of legend for, for uh major electric. I'm not sure what that <laughs> is quite. And not only that way well, and Jackie Vernon's face too. That's something else. <laughs> yeah. But I noticed that they're all arms. Yeah. They're all, they look like it's all forearms. Is that, does he only eat the forearms? Cause there's, I mean, there's almost like 14, 15 forearms on this poster here. Mm. I mean, I don't think it's supposed to be like that, but he all they really show in, is severed arms for the most part. It's just that's his favorite cut. Yeah, I mean they don't they don't get really graphic with this. I mean, nothing about this movie is very it's not like over the top gory or anything. It's pretty it's supposed to be a comedy first and foremost. So like the the limbs and things like that, they don't look real at all. It's just awful on every level. It is not an enjoyable watch whatsoever. Mm. Terrible. Just it's full of puns too. Like the, the level of puns. I mean, I guess that's part of Jackie Vernon's Vernon's shtick as well. He's all he's all about puns. He's a pun guy. Definitely a pun guy. So microwave massacre avoid, please. It's just awful. Let's talk about some predictions. Yeah, let's do ben it. Ben-Hur, you said zero. I said 32. Actual 29. Who the fuck gave this a positive review? <sighs> Some people. Looking Some it up people right did. now. It's got 30, 30 fresh. Out of 105, he's got 30 fresh. Hmm. Leonard Malton. Fucking on it. <laughs> well, <laughs> now if Leonard Malton gave it a fresh, then we know. <laughs> Oh, God. And we know it's fresh. Oh, God. All right. Uh, Kubo and the Two Strings. 
You said 86. I said 84. Actual 96. Damn. Yeah, apparently it's really good. I, I didn't have a chance to see it. I was too busy watching Microwave Massacre. <laughs> uh, War Dogs. You said 52. I said 43. Actual 59. Kind of middling. Yeah. Next week, we have Mechanic Resurrection. Resurre- mechanic Resurrection. Why couldn't we just call it Mechanic 2? Um, Why are you going to put this stupid subtitle in there? I just, I, if I remember correctly, I liked Mechanic. I'm not a big Jason Statham yeah. movie guy. Like I like Jason Statham. Don't get me wrong, but his movies all feel very, very samey to me. Oh, definitely. But Mechanic, the Mechanic, was that was different. I think that that was one that I that I really enjoyed. I think that was the one with Ben Foster. Yes, you are correct. I liked that one. That one was quite good. This new one looks very much like a pretty typical Jason Statham movie. So I don't know. Yeah. Uh, what are you thinking on Mechanic Resurrection? In a forty-two. I'll say twenty-eight on that one. Uh, let's see what else do we have here. Don't breathe. This is the new one from uh, Fide Alvarez, the guy who did the Evil Dead remake. Yeah, I'm actually pretty excited for this one. I don't, I don't have lofty expectations for it or anything, but it's. I don't know. Have you seen any trailers for this? I have not. No. So it's basically about a. It's about three friends who they they heard that this guy. This old guy is very wealthy, and he has this stash of, like, hundreds of thousands of dollars in his house. So they decide to go rob him, mm-hmm. uh, and it turns out that he's blind. But, oh, that's but it also turns out that he's some kind of, like, psycho killer. Mm-hmm. He's like a slasher or something. And so they have to kind of navigate through the this house of horrors trying to avoid this blind guy who's out to kill them. Seems really cool. The, the the trailer makes it look very interesting. So I'll say 56 on that one. Mm, I'm going to say 50. All right. And I, as far as wide releases, I think that's it. Okay. Release, we have Kate Plays Christine. This is the one where it's kind of a... It's a documentary about Caitlin Scheel playing that uh, reporter who ended her own life on air. Mm-hmm. I want to see this. This looks interesting. This is one of the, uh, I think, one of the most anticipated films for me this year. Really? Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think, it, I think it looks very, very interesting. So, yeah. That comes out, that comes out a weird day. It's not on Friday. August 24th, that Ooh. comes out. So Dude, it comes out Wednesday. Middle, middle of the week. Yeah, it's a Wednesday out. release. Yeah, all right. Those are always odd. We have The Hollers. Is that a... I think that's John Krasinski. It's a Kevin Rakestraw movie. Is, I don't remember doing this movie. You can tell from the poster, though, that it's going to be boring as shit. Yeah. And it's going to be excessively white. It does not look... Yeah, it doesn't doesn't look appealing to me. Uh, me and Mod. Anytime they just have still frames from the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, Mia Madre comes out. 
South Side with You. That's the the love story of uh, Barack Obama, Michelle Obama. Okay, Can't think- yeah, yeah. I, that one doesn't. Like their first date or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Seems like a really odd thing. To I, make a movie it's, kind, it's kind of a cool idea, but I the just, movie, the movie itself know, doesn't just, look appealing to me. It just seems weird to me. It seems odd. It's also odd that it's coming out when he's still president. Yeah. So that's kind of a, I don't know. Uh, in order of disappearance, Floyd Norman, an animated life. That's about uh, the first African-American animator for Disney. Oh, cool. Uh, Hands of Stone and The Intervention. I want to see The Intervention. It looks... I want to see The uh, In Order of Disappearance. Yeah, I want to see that too. What about... uh, Did you say The Sea of Trees? Uh, No. Sea of Trees? You remember The Sea of Trees? Sea of Trees comes out. That's... uh, The Sea of Trees? Is that uh, Naomi Watts? Isn't that the the Gus Van Zandt movie from like... uh, Couple of years oh, ago, oh yeah, the Matthew McConaughey can, one, can or something like that. It's got yeah, a five, it's got a five. <laughs> yeah, it's got a five percent. It took forever. I'm surprised it even came out. Really, I, I don't know what's up with Gus Van Zandt. People, it, I feel like just I don't I don't know what to say about his movies. Kent two. Uh, also, yeah, Uncle Kent two, and Complete Unknown. That was another one that I was. I'm really looking forward to Uncle Kent, too. Uh, you should be. I've seen it. I know. That's why. <laughs> it's uh, it's very... If you're into the, the whole meta meta style, it's very meta. I know. I hate using that word, but that's what it is. It is maybe one of the worst words ever. It is, but it's, it it's the most effective way of describing those types of stories. I don't. Just, I don't know just, a better just, way. Just make a new word. I'm. But I mean, I'm cool with it. Just okay, make a new word. Well, let's let's brainstorm on that right. this week. We'll we'll come up with a new word instead of meta, because when we sound like douches when we say it. Yeah, I don't think we can really help that. No, probably not. Uh, next week on VOD, we have Bloodfather, The Intervention, In Order of Disappearance, Ace the Case, Manhattan Mystery. <laughs> I just I, I I love this new just put blood and then something blood father just, just using just using the word blood like the word the well that's the new that's the Mel Gibson one blood I just, father I just you know blood glacier blood father blood glacier yeah just I hope at some point in time we have a blood and then every word in the English language movie Ace the Case Manhattan Mystery sounds like one of those free-to-play hidden object games that you have on on uh, your phone. Oh my god! I like it's kind of is that a dachshund on the front of there? Yeah, it's Susan Sarandon family film. Okay. Uh, Floyd Norman and Animated Life and Uncle Kent too. So lots of lots of stuff to choose from next week for sure. And I would definitely recommend Uncle Kent too. Just go into it knowing that it it, it is ridiculous. I just, I'd, I'm still stuck on the 
ace the case manhattan history <laughs> <laughs> so 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 what you're saying is you want to review that next week is uh go to the page i go to the page banner image is susan sarandon with a gun so there's there's, there's gun violence there's, there's brutal gun. violence she's pointing at somebody i don't know who she's pointing at but she's pointing at somebody so there's gunplay in there but the other thing that i noticed on the poster is the girl because the little girl she's got the dachshund on the leash and everything and i'm like what what's she holding on to here what animal is this that's a giant fucking rabbit that hmm. rabbit's bigger than that dachshund wow impressive i kind of want to see if something i just kind of want to know what's going on with that rabbit really i, just, I just really honestly just want to see her ace the case well i just want to see her dominate that case <laughs> that's what we're all looking for you know She's got to ace the case. From what I understand, it's about an innocent man that's on death row for raping and murdering five, five, uh, five, five young women. Damn. <laughs> and it's up, to, it's up to her to ace the case. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. The Innocence Project wouldn't touch it, so she decided to take it over. Damn. She's an ambitious little girl. What can I say? You know, well, it, does, you know, it says she's a plucky kid. Yep, that's what it is. That's the kind of stuff plucky kids get themselves into. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, is she ace in the case, or is Susan Sarandon ace in the case? I think she's acing the case. Saran- Susan Sarandon is just kind of helping out. She's, yeah, she's her mentor, more of a mentor figure. Yeah, that makes sense. I just, yeah. I also kind of want to know what does the dachshund and the the giant like radioactive rabbit? What, <laughs> what, what do they play? comedic relief? Okay. I wonder if they talk. I really hope they talk. I, I something tells me they don't, but who knows? But keep in keep in mind it's PG thirteen. There's some elements of violence. That's the gunplay. Oh, PG thirteen. Wow. Peril and brief teen drinking. So. Uh oh. I'm, I'm actually surprised that's PG thirteen. Yeah, I I mean I gotta honestly I was, I was starting out just kind of like joking around here, but the more I read about it, you know I'm kind of getting kind of getting hooked uh, it just sounds ridiculous the cover's just so bad and the title's so bad that it sure is it's yeah. just really jarring to see that poster and then the still image is susan sarandon with a mean look on her face pointing a gun at somebody i don't i don't know i don't know i guess maybe one of us can find out next week and we can watch it I, but that's not going to be me i'm not going to watch it you don't want to review it for the the show probably not probably not well yeah could give it to ryan uh next week on blu-ray we have the huntsman winter's war we have the nice guys ratchet and clank clown that one from 2014 that never came out here for some reason and then finally did get released uh wiener dog the duel uh, Der Bunker, which I, I, I wanted to see that, and it just, it was one of those that just kind of, I missed it. But I still want to see it because it just looks so weird. Sure does. Uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, so I'm looking for any kind of interesting re releases. Not seeing much. City on Fire from 1979. Uh, the first season of Ash vs. Evil Dead comes out. Yeah. It was a good series. It wasn't great, but it was good. 
The Bloodstained Butterfly from 1971 is getting re-released from Arrow, so might look into that one. Okay. Uh, what do we got on the old uh, Criterion front there? Oh my goodness, we got two. We got Taste of Honey from 1961 from uh, Tony Richardson. It's coming out on the old Blu-ray. And then we also have Woman in the Dunes coming mm. out from 1964 on Blu-ray. It's this, uh, it's this collector's set here. That's also hmm. going to come. That's also going to be available on uh, Hulu Plus if you have that. Cool. All right. There you, go. there you have it. I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com/filmpulse, and consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week. When we review Ace the Case. When we review Ace the Case. Manhattan Mystery.